Good morning, and welcome to the penultimate, I guess, episode of Riddles in the Dark, brought to you by the Mythgard Institute. I am your co-host, Dave Kale, and uh, I am excited to be here because we are, in fact, finally beginning the process of starting to almost end this podcast. I'm sure we'll find ways to make it linger on and on, just like the Lord of the Rings film, uh, and in thoroughly unlike the ending of the Hobbit trilogy, but um, we are rapidly approaching the end. Uh, today, we are going to be talking about um, uh, several of the more controversial riddles from um, Season 3. The, if you recall in the previous episode, we kind of went through them um, uh, uh, like one after another really quickly. And any riddle where it became clear that there was going to be some debate and controversy, we shelved it for further discussion, which we'll be doing today. And... By popular request of our listeners, because we always listen to the listeners, we are also going to revisit um, riddles that were left unanswered from previous seasons. If you recall, we were really, really good at um, coming up with questions which uh, either didn't get answered on screen or got put off until later films because they moved much more slowly than we we thought they would. So, uh, without further ado, let me introduce my co-hosts, as always, Trish Lambert and Corey Olson, the Tolkien Professor, Good morning, you two, and are are you guys ready to hello, finally hello. almost wrap up this episode or uh, this uh, right. podcast? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's it still <clears throat> remains surreal to uh, uh, to come so close to the end here. Here we are after <laughs> and still not and quite dozens of episodes. Yeah, yeah, it is funny just to think back to like the way the world was different when we began, um, but. Uh, <laughs> Because <laughs> boy, does the it sun and moon had not yet been created. Yeah, yeah, it's, it does almost feel like that. Um, but anyhow, uh, yeah, we're going to go through. So today is is the day when we answer almost all unanswered questions. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so that'll be so. So Dave, let's let's start right off with that. Let's go through some of our uh, our riddles which were unanswered in part because, of course, at the very beginning in season one. Um, we did like half the season when we were anticipating the two films instead of three, and then even after that, of course, you know, we were never a hundred percent certain as to where the films were going to stop and what was going to be included in which ones. So, we've yep. always had ones kind of hanging over, but yep. now we have no more excuse. So, all right, so, uh, so let's do this. All right, um, yeah, let's let's we're diving right in today. We're not messing around. I like it. Okay, so we're going to start with season one, um, and actually, I think most of these are fairly uncontroversial. They're either fairly uncontroversial or or utterly unanswerable, um, <laughs> especially as you'll see with the conundrums. Um, uh, I don't even know what we were thinking when we made these conundra. Um, but for season one, we have three riddles, which were which were all right in the space of like a few of a few episodes, which is interesting. They kind of cluster together, and then two conundra. So the first one is. Um, Riddle, <laughs> this just goes to show, like, like how how much things changed from when we started this podcast three years ago to when the films were finally executed, especially with the switch from two to three films. The fourth riddle of season one, which dates us all the way back to what, like, 2011? Um, uh, that, 2012? Yeah, that was that was probably early on in in 2012. Yeah. Um. Riddle four, the fourth riddle ever, was how will Thorin end up in the Elven King's dungeon? <laughs> right. Yeah. 
Yeah. Now, as, okay, okay. Now, I totally remember this riddle because the question that we had then was, um, we were because of course we were thinking about the books and we were thinking, um, in the book, of course, Thorin gets captured separately, which means he's absent for the whole spider fight. Mm -hmm. And so the main question was, are they going to actually do that? Are they going to separate Thorin from the rest of them? Are they going to actually have, you know, spider rescue action scenes that don't contain Thorin? Um, and, uh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, and we only, we only, this is also back before we, we were, this was back when we weren't quite as, uh, we, we, we didn't get into a rhythm with the answers. We only had three answers. Uh, three answers. Really, we had two answers and neither of the above. Although we got That's it right. Funny. Our answers were, <laughs> just as in the book, he will be taken by the elves prior to the conflict, or he will be captured with the rest of them after the spider fight. They won't be separated. See neither of the above. I think this is uncontroversial, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So obviously it's B. Um, all right, let's keep going. So the next one is the seventh riddle. Uh, and once again, um, uh, uh, in fact, these next two riddles, seven and eight, once again reflect sort of um, these are all pre-three film splits. And these are these are even more extreme than the Elven, because the, the Elven King Dungeon one only got delayed one movie. These both ended up in the third film. <laughs> Riddle seven, how will the confrontation Jeez. between the White Council and the Necromancer be portrayed on screen? Yeah. Uh, and so uh, uh, answer A was the the pseudo Lord of the Rings appendix or um, uh, Council of mm -hmm. Elrond book answer, which is immaterial spiritual conflict from a distance. We're assuming, you know, right. I guess we have no idea how that actually happened, but that's how we imagine it happening. B was epic battle of Helm's deep style uh, um, uh, battle between two large armies. C is right. Avengers style small band of superheroes versus evil hordes. And D is no conflict at all. Heroes will arrive to find the necromancers already fled. Right. Um, I, if we interpret these literally, I don't think any of them is actually it, true, but I guess C is the closest. C is the closest. Yeah. yeah There's no, there weren't I mean, really any hordes, but. Well, you know, the the Nazgul ended up being like a horde because they had to like knock each one of them off cliffs four or five times. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Total number of Nazgul vanquished uh, was at least fifty. You yeah, know, because true. they were each vanquished like six or seven times. Yeah, that is true. They were they would kill them and they would kind of shiver out of existence and then and then rematerialize, respawn. Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I agree with you that the the thing that is most interesting about that is the uh, about that riddle is the fact that we were operating under the belief that that was probably going to happen in the first half of the whole film, um, and I don't know. I mean, it did happen at the beginning of the third film, mm -hmm. but. Um, I don't know. I guess I can understand it, but I mean, we've talked before about our concerns about that. I mean, when it didn't happen in film two, um, we were all concerned, and I think rightly that it was just going to get jammed uncomfortably into film three. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. But then again, we ended up hating it so much that we wished it were shorter. So you know, why should <laughs> Yeah, it is. I... <laughs> You could argue that our our answer um, 
course, when we put Avenger-style small band of superheroes versus evil hordes, we were imagining something. We were we meant that in a positive manner, imagining it would be something <laughs> that would be cool and we'd really like it. But but in a way that is prescient because it was it was you know like like in, to the extent that it was a special effects bonanza um, and yeah. and was just like a lot of like you know, zany action and things beating on things and stuff. It was Avengers-esque in that sense, although I think Avengers action was much more effective. Um, yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, goodness knows, we didn't anticipate, you know, uh, bipolar Goadriel. Um, no. no. We, I mean, I remember when we discussed it at the time, we were definitely envisioning a you know, probably, hopefully, you know, ideally music, probably sword, and probably, you know, like a sword and sorcery wielding Galadriel in the middle of that fight, mm-hmm. um, which really would have been better. You know, I mean, it's, uh... <laughs> I'm trying to picture now ways in which they could have depicted the fight between the White Council and Sauron that I would have hated more than the way that they ended up doing it with Galadriel. And honestly, I, I can't come up with any. Like, almost any... Like, I'm thinking of other, like, really bad, cheesy ways in which uh, they could have done it. And almost all of them I would have liked better. Mm-hmm. Or, yep. you know, would have been less bad. <laughs> I mean, goodness, if they had had... Great Alex Tanner says, black cat suit. <laughs> but exactly. No. Black cat yeah, suit. We talked like about that. Woman. We talked about that. That was one of the options we discussed. Like, are they going to have her come in in, like, really slinky armor or something? And you know what? Like, honestly, if she had come in with, like, an iron brassiere, like a like a, like a, a Valkyrie or something, you know, like a comic book Valkyrie, I'm not sure that wouldn't have been, you know, less better. bad than the way they ended up depicted her. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I am disappointed we didn't get to see her in battle armor. I think that would have been really cool, but... I guess they decided that wasn't her nature, which I don't get. They obviously didn't read Unfinished Tales. Yeah, Gladrill would totally wear battle armor. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, um, I mean, it's, it, it could have been, it could have been, yeah, I mean, like, uh, yeah, Robert, exactly, if she were throwing lightning bolts around and everything, I mean, that would have been bad, yeah. I would have complained, but seriously, would that have been worse than her lying yeah. around, you know, in weakness in I mean, I... Well, and, you know, the Wicked Witch from the East thing was just not... I don't know. just didn't work for me. Yeah, I, I seriously, any kind of cheesy, campy, sword and sorcery, inappropriate amount of skin showing, like, inappropriately sexualized Galadriel, any of that stuff would actually have... I, I, I think I would have found an inappropriately sexualized Galadriel less offensive than I found the, yes, like, languid, uh, you know, wilting flower Galadriel that they ended up showing. Yeah, I mean, they would have been bad. I would have been like, I would have been outraged had you know we we gotten an inappropriately sexualized Galadriel. Um, it's not like I'm saying I wish they'd done that, but I, I but it would still. I but I think what they actually did was still worse. But well, we'd uh, still be outraged because we wouldn't realize there would have been something worse. <laughs> right, exactly. Because <laughs> what they did would never have occurred to me in a million years. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Had they done that, you're right. Had we seen Galadriel in a slinky cat suit, I would have been like, that is just the worst thing they could possibly have done. Right. I can't, I can't imagine that. anything worse. Yeah, that. no, you're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah, it's, it's totally unfair. All right, well, I know bashing the 
Battle of Dull Guldor is our pastime. But <laughs> my favorite. Let's, let's favorite. just have four more episodes in which yeah. we do that. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Um, the next one's related. Oh, I'm looking forward to the extended edition. I mean, we get to do it then, too. Oh, yeah. We may have to have two, There'll probably two be even more. The edition. That's right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's just hope they didn't cut anything out of that scene. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe they <laughs> added they, to it. If they, if, they, if, if, they, if they don't put anything new in the extended edition, we won't have to talk about it again. Yeah. I would love it. I, I think it'd be great if they did an extended edition. I, I, I think I think Peter Jackson should release a special edition that is that's like the 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 edit thing that the 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 fan made. Where this is the Peter Jackson uh, de extended edition, where he goes through and removes right. stuff. Right. Um, Actually, right. You know, the oh, really canning marketing move would be first to release the extended edition and then to release the contracted edition. Uh, you know, they might actually get some extra sales if they did that. Yeah. Yeah, oh my gosh. Um, Don't have right. any ideas. Riddle, <laughs> Riddle 8 from season 1. What will be the main role of the Nazgul in the Hobbit film? Oh, I remember this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, this is the one where we were we were like having them dragging the river was one, yes. of, the, one, of, one of the options, right? Answer D was dredging the river near Gladden Fields. <laughs> That's right. Um, C was focused on Dol Guldur. We were so outraged that we found out they were going to be in the movie at all. Yes, I mean, yes, it yes. It was right yeah. after that was released after CinemaCon 2012. Yeah. Right. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so A was heading heading to Mordor. That's the book answer. B was focused on Erebor, aiding Smaug, pursuing the company, etc. C was focused on Dol Guldur, posing the White Council. Um, D was seeking for the ring, dredging the river near Gladden. Wow, we actually had a right answer in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is yeah. fairly. This is yeah, uncontroversially C. Uncontroversially. <laughs> although, yeah. although in retrospect, now I wish it had been pretty much anything else. <laughs> um, I, I, I like take that back. I take that yeah. back. One thing they could have done with the Nazgul that would have been worse than what they did is if they'd done what they did, but at the Battle of Five Armies. Right. Had they shown up at the Battle yeah. of Five Armies, I was just going to say that. Yeah, that would have been worse. I think. Yeah. I think seeing them. I think seeing them wearing aprons, dusting um, um, Minas Morgul and uh, Barad Dur. Yeah, beating out the rugs there. Yeah, that's you right. Know, a, a pencil behind the ear sticking out <laughs> of the hood. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Holding nails in their teeth. Yeah, yeah. I think that might have been preferable. Um, no. Okay, so um, uh, the two conundra. Uh, will probably remain forever unanswered. Number five was, will they eventually make a sequel bridge film? <laughs> you remember that was that was just in what response to to the announcement of the three films, and they're doing some extra filming, and people start saying, oh, maybe they're going to make an entirely new film. Right, and Jackson made some cryptic remarks about this. Yeah. 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 Actually, he continued to do that, didn't he? I think he even said something at the end of this last movie about there's more material or something. Yeah, it, it was about all the all the the other material that there was. Did he mention? Didn't somebody mention the Aragorn stuff, or was that was that just me? Was the I think was, that I think that was us. Was that just us? Yeah. yeah, I think it was us. I think we started. I, mean, I know we talked about it. You might have dreamt. You know, you might have had a dream. I was trying to remember if he actually, if he actually, if he actually alluded to that material. 
I still say either Adventures of Young Aragorn or Adventures of Thorongil would be. Well, it's awesome. the Thorongil stuff that I was primarily thinking of. That would make, as far as like a feature film is concerned, um, the Thorongil material oh, yeah. could make a really good feature film. Um, I mean, I still love your idea, Tris. I, Shrish, I still, I still think like the Adventures of Young Aragorn uh, TV show. Because uh, isn't there yeah. something like fifty? Some I was looking at the Tale of Years the other day, and it's something like fifty years where all it says is. Aragorn has adventure, you know, goes on errand trees or something yeah. like that. You know, it's yeah. like a long time. The fact that he like deliberately traveled over the whole world to experience things and and right. uh, and and you know all of the realms that he has on all of the potential subplots that there are, like oh, yeah. you know, among the rangers up in Arnor and and uh, you know local things breaking out. The, these monsters. Maybe we need to get Kevin repeatedly... Sorbo to play Aragorn because <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of Adventures of Hercules. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. I mean, it's it's that, that. Oh no, man. I mean, as far as like open-ended TV series are concerned, Boy, that's no clearly, kidding, huh? that's clearly the uh, the, uh, the the way to go. Um, yeah. So I I don't anticipate that one will be answered anytime soon. Uh, yeah. Then and then the other one, Conundrum Ten, is um, in addition to the trilogy. Uh, oh, this is just like the same conundrum. In addition to the trilogy world, it'll be a bridge film. I don't know why we kept asking. Oh, this. how did we do that? Was that in the same year we did that? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> we like that question so much we answered it. Obviously, twice. Yeah, yeah. I guess we were. I guess we were just. Yeah, I guess we just were. Were I don't know. We were like, we need a question. Uh, we'll just do the red phone. Didn't we do yeah. that before? I don't know. All right. Um. So season two. These are both. These both technically have right answers uh, with respect to the film, but but maybe they're inter- interesting to revisit since we got some you know light was shed upon them uh, in the third film. Um, Riddle two from season two is where is Thrian now, uh, i.e. in real time in the movie. Uh, a was dead. B was alive and imprisoned in Dol Guldur. C is alive and imprisoned elsewhere. D alive and not a prisoner. E this will not be answered on screen. So of course that was not answered on screen um, uh, in the theatrical version, but D. in the extended edition, I guess it was uh, D. D. It was B. <laughs> D. It was D. It was B. Obviously, he was imprisoned. Yeah, remember because it was like his own, even though it was his allu- the illusion, but he still believed that he was. A he was prisoner. a free range prisoner. No man, I, I got this. Was this was the the I, I no man? I'm not giving up on this one because this was the this was the middle I went like furthest out on the limb for. Remember that was the day I was like, let me see how many people I can talk into voting the craziest of the four answers with me, and darn it if it didn't end up being at least pretty darn close to correct. You know, uh, so I, what was I, the logic I, I, there that he'd just be? Oh, but that was because no, we had was, seen yeah, in the trailer. You're... And stuff, right? right? Like, like I'm You're trying to remember why like you would think that. Wise hermit guy that had been living in the forest, and he definitely wasn't living in the forest. He was. Yes, he was. He was a prisoner of his own mind. <clears throat> yeah, but that was he wasn't a prisoner. So see, like that's did like, he, he ever... a prisoner in his own mind? I I don't recall the dialogue <laughs> on screen. Uh, did he? Did he? Was it? Was it clear? Was it implied in any way other than sort of visually that that he had been there, like that he had been there that entire time? Like, is there a possibility that he actually sure that followed Gandalf in? Well, I got that impression because he was saying to Gandalf, "They won't let us leave, or we can't get out, or something like that." Well, Did he say that? You know, 
Yeah, he said something like that. When which Gandalf said that's just an illusion. I mean, in the there, mind, yeah, really. there was that whole thing with the vines. With the vines, yeah. Uh, but that's but, just him being crazy. But, it, but know, it's entirely possible. Crazy. But maybe it's possible he followed Gandalf in and then found that he couldn't leave. That, that's my question. My question is: Is there any solid evidence on screen that he had been there the entire time? I don't think time? there actually is. I mean, I'm not. I'm, that's certainly a possibility, but I don't think there's any evidence of that. I mean, we don't see him show up until he Gandalf's actually in Dol Guldur. Yeah. Well, of course, part of the so, big problem is that we don't really have any idea what he's been doing. Like, what exactly did happen to him in the battle? What happened to him after the battle? I mean, the the ring was taken from him. We got that, but that happened in the battle. Right? I mean, like, he didn't we see it? I thought it happened his... after they carted him off. Well, right. They dragged him off and cut off his cut off his finger. But then what happened to him? I mean, did yeah. they... Yeah. For all we know, they, they turned him, him loose. He wandered around in, in Mirkwood for hundreds of years and then followed Gandalf yeah, into Dol Guldur. Yeah, we don't know how he ended up there, actually. How many years are we talking about in Jackson's timeline? 50? 60? 100? No. No. I mean, it's like uh, 150 in the book, but it's no, it's nothing like that. I mean... Uh, yeah, it's not very long. It's not it's a much shorter time area than that, isn't it? Yeah. I don't remember. Yeah, they don't really don't, say it, do they? No, I mean, we Balin's don't get got a time white frame. hair now, but... You know. But Thorin doesn't look more than a couple years older. <laughs> <laughs> so the rule is, the sexier you are, the slower you age uh, in Jackson's Middle Earth. I think that's a pretty clear correlation. If you're short... If you're short, funny-looking, and have a big nose, you go white really fast. But, I think that uh, it's also a Hollywood maxim, just generally yeah. speaking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, he left that whole where did Thrine come from and what Th what's Thrine been doing all this time pretty much open, yeah, like totally unaddressed. And therefore, leaving me full right to insist <laughs> that I was correct. You can't prove I wasn't. And and that was and of that middle of more than any others. I was just like, that's that's the one thing I liked about the extended edition. Is the first time I was watching the extended edition, I was like, by God, I was correct on that day that I like went completely off the reservation on my on my on my on my. Folks, uh, there we go. Yeah, <laughs> and you'll you'll continue you'll continue to hold that line. That's right, and it doesn't count for the score anyway. So I'm just going to That's count right. it as a wild moral victory. That's all. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So the next one is Riddle Ten from season two, um, which. I mean, this was, again, this was answered, but it's just fun to revisit uh, in, in context of the third film. How and when will Bilbo reveal the ring to the company, i.e. the dwarves? And maybe we can lump Gandalf in there as well. Uh, the correct answer, of course, for Desolation of Smaug, uh, the film, was Bilbo does not reveal the ring at all, even in the extended edition. And in fact, he never reveals it, right? Mm -hmm. He never reveals it. Which is, which is an interesting choice. He brought it up, right? Yeah. yeah. Which is a yeah. which is a fascinating. Yeah, and choice. I mean that's the other one. Remember how I said Gandalf just knows. He says to Bilbo, "I've been keeping my eye on you," you know, since what did he, didn't he say since like the Misty Mountains or something like that? I'd be like, right. hey, Gandalf, how could you have done that? You left. You've been in Dol Guldur. Right. I mean, apart from the ninety percent of the time when I haven't been with you, I've been paying really close attention. <laughs> <laughs> all of the time. So if you discount 90% of the time, I've been paying attention all the time. 
so you know you can kind of get into the side conversation of so how would Gandalf you know have that knowledge you know is there some like intuitive thing that he feels the ring because he's a ring bearer I mean that's that's not something we want to get into but it's just kind of like a side conversation that one could get into well no, I mean it's go ahead Dave I was just gonna say I think what I think what's kind of what's what's sort of fascinating about this question is um, of course Gandalf does find out about the ring at some point because at the start of the Lord of the Rings films he certainly knows about it um, yeah. and 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 it's interesting that that was left like in retrospect, it's interesting that that has been left totally like how that happened. Not just how did he find out about the ring, but how did he go from like, oh, you have a ring. Well, that's interesting to, hmm, that ring seems a little weird. You should probably leave it uh, to Frodo and not take it with you. Like, like that. That's a fairly key moment in this story the story of Lord of the Rings and the and the development of Bilbo and Frodo in the ring, and that's been left off screen entirely across six films. We never, oh, we right. never witnessed that. Well, Exactly. And I mean, and I think I talked about this before, but it, it is a genuine problem in the books. I mean, yeah. it's one of the retcon issues that Tolkien doesn't do perfectly well mm-hmm. in the beginning of the Lord of the Rings. Like lots of the retcon stuff with the with the ring, um, you know, the the the. I mean, he does so brilliantly. Um, you know, especially of course the whole business about the original Hobbit story being wrong because Bilbo lied about it in his book and didn't tell the dwarves the truth. All of that stuff is, I mean, that's just, it's, you know, the way Tolkien handles that is brilliant. But what he does not do as successfully is explain why Gandalf took so long to become inquisitive. And indeed, the more Gandalf talks about it in The Fellowship of the Ring, the more problematic it gets. Mm-hmm. I mean, in, in, the, in, the, the, in Chapter 2, in Shadows of the Past, um, Gandalf says to Bilbo, um, when he's going back and explain and, and and answering the question, you know, when did I first begin to guess about this ring? Or to Frodo, yeah, he's, and he's having that conversation, and he says, "Well, I wondered how Gollum came across a great ring as plainly it was." He says that at least was clear from the first, and it's like, okay, <laughs> okay, okay, Gandalf. Really? From the first, it was clear to you that it was a great ring. Um, and then he's, and, and and then basically the 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 question that Gandalf never addresses, that Tolkien never really seemed to address, is, okay, dude, um, like, were you really bad at math or something? I mean, like, there's the nine, there's the seven. I mean, because then he goes through and he's like, the nine have not been lost. We know where the nine are. The three are accounted for. The of the seven, four have been uh, have been reclaimed, and the rest of the dragons have consumed. Um, so this must be the one. This is later on in the conversation. He's telling the phone. It's like, Gandalf, why didn't you do that math, you know, 70 years ago? Like, if you said it was clear to you from the beginning that it was a great ring, I mean, how many options were there? Were there? And, and the thing is, is that this is a relic from the early, dra- in, the, in the very early drafts of the Fellowship of the Ring. That conversation comes from when, in Tolkien's mind, there were a whole bunch of great rings. Um, you know, the idea of like the one, the three, the seven, and the nine is a comparatively late innovation on Tolkien's part. Um, you know, there had been a bunch more of these other rings. Right. Um, so when Gandalf originally in the older drafts said it was clearly one of the great rings, that didn't narrow it down quite as far as it came <laughs> to later on. Um, so it, it's a genuine gap, I think, um, in The Lord of the Rings. Um, but I do think that Jackson 
kind of made it worse. You know, and so basically yeah. the question was, how is he going to handle it? It's a real challenge because, again, Tolkien didn't handle it perfectly well. So how was Jackson going to handle uh, uh, Gandalf's reaction? And a part of me wants to say, I guess he did about as well as he could, um, you know, by having Gandalf not ignorant, because that wouldn't really have been plausible to say that Bilbo just successfully hid it from Gandalf forever. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, to to have him be like, oh, a ring, cool, whatever, um, you know, would have been <laughs> weird too. Um, but uh, but but still, I think that the you know, but to me, the oh yes, I knew all along you had a ring was was the part that just drove me crazy because right that just did not seem to hold together at all with the with the rest of what we've seen. Right. Um, because it would be completely unlike Gandalf not to mention it at all, you know, never to talk to him about it. Um, if he had known, surely he'd have said something. I mean, if we're supposed to now, remember the scene that we really liked when Bilbo almost tells Gandalf about the ring before he departs right after Bjorn's, right? You know, that part that was in the trailer so right. often with Desolation of Smaug. And that was a really good scene and really, really well done by both of the actors. Um, but... Um, uh, but in retrospect, it got undermined by that mm-hmm. last scene. If we're now supposed to understand retroactively that Gandalf actually knew or suspected at that time that Bilbo had found an invisibility ring in the mountains, Gandalf not saying anything about it becomes something close to inexcusable. Why would he do that? Right. Yeah. Well, oh, I Especially think he in light of his discovery Arfan. of Sauron being around again. You know what I mean? Yes! It's like He's realized what a crisis everybody's in now, and he would just like not say anything about this ring if, that suddenly popped up. Yeah, yeah, and and if and in his, and and um, this is a, even addressed a little in the text, right? Like Frodo, Frodo's like, boy, I wish you'd figured all of this out before Gandalf. Right, <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. And and like, the only real answer is like, well. Um, the White Council doesn't really do very much very quickly. Like, our <laughs> MO is to take decades to centuries to ponder things before we actually do anything. So that's kind of what I did. Plus, Saruman kept saying, you know, don't worry about it. And I right. believed him because why wouldn't I? Right. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but anyway, yeah. So um, uh, it's it was disappointing. But I agree. The choice to have him never reveal it to the dwarves was certainly an interesting one. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, the, and that and that's part of the part of the reason I included that riddles. I just I just thought that was in, that's kind of interesting um, that we when we never get to see Peter Jackson's take on sort of what is that ring discovery process like. So right, right, uh, right. All right. So the last two unresolved things from previous seasons are both conundra. One of which. Uh, once again, will probably remain um, uh, hereafter unresolved, um, except by maybe uh, you know inference um, from from you know pieces of evidence. But the first one is definitely answerable. Uh, will Bjorn be at the Battle of Dol Guldur? Uh, clearly, the answer is no. It's fairly uncontroversial. Bjorn. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh... Lego notwithstanding. Well, see, that's the thing. <clears throat> oh, right. Yes, of course. Maybe extended edition. Extended edition. Yeah. I think it's it's got to be because I mean, 
as, as Yana says, we never saw the torture scene. And the actor talked about that. And although, you know, we never really trust actors, he's not going to make up something out of whole cloth like that. You know, he's not going to be like, oh, yeah, there was like a torture scene. No, no, seriously. I, I, I filmed the torture scene. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I believe that, and especially since that fits with the book, there's no reason not to think he didn't, they didn't right. film that. Yeah. And the Lego thing, I still think, you know, although um, although there are still some mysterious elements in the Lego sets, which do kind of give you the impression that the Lego people's understanding of what was actually going to be happening in the movies is a little imperfect. In particular, <laughs> I go back to that 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 what remains to this day incredibly mysterious like statue with ring concealed within it yes thing, you yes. know in the, the big dog holder set from the second film um you know i i've been thinking about that in retrospect trying to f- to think like okay what could the lego people have been given like what kind of synopsis could they have been given which would have led them to depict the Lego set in that way, and I'm thinking, um, uh, and I'm thinking, uh, it's got to be, it's got to be about the dwarf ring, right? Because if they, if if this yeah. is obviously before the final edit was done, so presumably it would not have been known. That, I mean, obviously we know that the Lego people don't know what's going to be put in the extended edition because mm-hmm. Bjorn, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's no way that the Lego people are going to make a whole set of Bjorn showing up at Dol Guldur if there's no whiff of that ever happening. Right. I mean, they're not going to make that. The Lego people aren't going to make that up out of whole cloth either. Um, but so okay, so so the ring. But you think back to the extended edition, right? It is at Dol Guldur that Gandalf uncovers the secret of what really happened to the dwarf ring, and we get the flashback of the taking of the dwarf ring and everything. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just kind of thinking maybe the Lego people were like, yeah, like that's where the secret of the ring is revealed. And so the, like the, the Lego design people were like, the revelation of the secret ring. Okay, all right, fine. We can do that. We, we can work with that. <laughs> um <laughs> that's that's the only that's the only uh that's the only thing now uh, uh um uh both uh now yana is suggesting that of course like there was like the nazgul statue thing going on you know could this be like an oblique reference or perhaps a a, a confused reference to uh you know the the one of the nine rings and the Nazgul being within the statue. I tend not to, I, to me, it's like the lost ring that you're supposed to find. Um, that seems to be like the implied plot point of that particular device within the Lego set. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I tend to think that it's more likely to be connected to the, to the dwarf ring. And of course, obviously the Lego people were assuming that this was something to do with the one ring because the ring that they hid in there didn't look anything like the dwarf ring. Um, but, no, indeed, it looked a lot like generic Lego ring. Yeah, it did. It did. Which, of course, <laughs> I'm sure the Lego people were very excited to learn that the One Ring is like a plain and unadorned ring with no gem or inscription. Is uh, they're like, sweet, <laughs> we can do that. Yeah, it, it'll be as large as a circlet, but uh, uh, you know, around your head. But it's it, we can do that still. Yep. Um, I still love the Lego sets with Bilbo and Frodo carrying a ring that's like bigger around than their heads. Yes. Keep uh, it so the final conundrum, we, we, which we talked about off the air, uh, 
did did Thrain give Gandalf the key in the map before the Battle of Azanol Bazaar? And we were and 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 it's sort of you know if you like like logic sort of dictates that he must have since he gave it to Gandalf, um, uh, but uh, and then he disappears at the Battle of Azanol Bazaar. But this is never actually confirmed on screen, so. Yeah, the sort of scene that we fantasized about, you know, about Gandalf and, you know, Thryon having some kind of premonition and meeting with Gandalf the night before the battle, we never get any indication of anything like that. Yeah, so so we're going to declare I that mean, one officially unresolved. He talks about given it to Gandalf, but he never says when or there's never any, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. Like, was it over a beer and brie or what? Yeah, so we're going to consider that officially, un- officially unresolved. Unresolved. For, for all time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, or... Extended edition, maybe I don't know. Uh, so anyway, yeah. So those are so so for for those of you who were you know it was bothering you that these were left unresolved. We have now answered them. Uh, they will not be factored into this season's scoring um, or any scoring or any season scoring. Yeah. But at least you have answers now. Uh, some answers. You know those two the the um, duplicate uh, bridge film things may never have an answer. And it's a good thing that <laughs> in our lifetime the scoring because my correct D answer on the throne yeah, would really, might yeah, have would, uh... to rescind some certificates there. I think so. Yeah, people yeah. really dodged a bullet. I gotta say. <laughs> um, and I went. Okay, so, and I went. Well, uh, I went and recorded. I recorded the the answers. Um, uh, in the the spreadsheets so that we have them for all time. Okay. Uh, okay. But I but I like colored the 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 font in red so that um, we would know that these were sort of after the fact, not official <laughs> the, answers. The retroactive riddles. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, let's go back to the the yeah. main subject of the day, which are the season three riddles that we still want to argue about. Uh, that is resolve uh, among us, and we will uh, ultimately ultimately and officially resolved by popular vote. Legolas and Toriel and the Siege of Erebor. See, I think the issue with this one is if we hadn't said regarding the Siege of Erebor, uh-huh. yep. it would have been a different different answer. But I honestly think it's answer A because they don't make it to the siege, right? Don't they go straight to Gondaman from Lake Town? To, uh... No, not uh, Gondaman. Gundabad. Not Gondaman. Gondaman. <laughs> Straight to Gundabad from Lake Town. Yes, they do. Um, so there is no opportunity for them to defy Thrandil when it comes to the Siege of Erebor. I guess here our question is really how legalistic we because like by the like the letter of the law, the answer is A, but like the spirit of the law is clearly D, right? I mean Right. Both of them openly well, defy him. And I do remember that... when we came up with this, it was about, we were concerned about now Teriel seems to have like, you mm-hmm. know, divided loyalties and Legolas by, you know, by association kind of has divided loyalties because of how he feels about Teriel. So what's it going to be like when the, when the elves face off against the dwarves? That was where this question came from. So right, I don't know right. if that's, you know, and it, if that's. And and yeah, no, you're right. And it's interesting that like basically the, the, the sort of the tension during the siege portion, which was not really that long, um, it wasn't nearly so much of a 
it you know it feels like much more of a standoff in the book than it felt like in the films. I mean, in the films it was just like the brief time before we attack you, rather than uh, any kind of actual standoff. Um, right. But uh, but the, the 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 tension there was removed entirely to Bard. I mean, it was Bard telling the you know telling Thranduil right. don't attack yet. Um, so. That's true. Um. Yeah, yeah, I see. If we took out the siege of and the question, then it would definitely be D <laughs> regarding Erebor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, like, can we he... open it up to our listeners and see what they think about? Who, uh, out of curiosity, are we planning to have like a panel of people resolve? The, rid- the no, efficient- this is the resolution. We're going to do it by popular vote. Oh, today by discussion in popular vote. Oh, okay. Um, I'm boy. This, I, I guess you're, you're right, Corey. It really comes down to how legalistically do we want to yes, interpret right. this, uh, in particular regarding the siege of Erebor, because, yeah, because they're they 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 clearly. They sort of defy him at the end of Desolation of Smaug, um, you know, by yeah. departing by his the, realm. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, and then conveniently miss the entire siege and then show up exactly. in the middle of the battle <laughs> and then once again defy him in the battle. And the right. question then becomes how would they, that, you know, like, like, is that enough to imply that had they been there during the siege, or, you know, is their absence from the siege, um, uh, enough to qualify as defying him during, you know, regarding the well, siege or during say, siege, or does I it imply? Yes. I say yes because the whole reason they're not accidentally absent from the siege; they're absent yeah. from the siege because they're defying because him. Because they're defying <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Well, that is true. I mean, they are operating as independent agents by the time we see them in Lake Town. Yeah, exactly. Their decisions, not not referring back to Thranduil on the stuff. She's a, and, and 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 the other thing is when we think about when we constructed this riddle. What we were thinking about about the siege of Erebor was the interesting situation that was set up by the second film, of how how much more complicated the siege of Erebor was set up to be in the film than it was in the book because of the way that they had they had introduced all of these divided loyalties at the time. Remember, we were talking about how in the book you have three very simple poles, right? You've got the dwarves who are all hanging together and you've, you and there's no question of their loyalty being divided, although they're a little uncomfortable with Thorin going, you know, off the edge, but but nevertheless, they're they're not divided and they have no other conflicting loyalties, you know, to 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 contend with. Then you've got the elves for which there's only Thranduil as the only representative, so he's not conflicted with himself. And then you've got Bard as, you know, Bard and the master, but but again, at the siege there's no question Bard is in charge of the army. So you've got these three poles um, and then Bilbo is the only one who is sort of outside that matrix um, and who kind of comes in and tries to interfere with it. In the film, of course, the very interesting situation that they set up was like now you've got division among the dwarves, with, especially with the Kiwi and Toriel situation. So you've got at least one of the dwarves who has now like strong reason for divided loyalty and divided feelings anyway um, when it comes to the siege. You've got the elves who now have, um, you know, in Toriel and especially and maybe in, uh, maybe with Legolas, um, 
divided feelings about attacking the dwarves in the mountain, and then uh, and even the way that they were doing Bard and the Master was much more was 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 sufficiently different to make you wonder whether they were going to do a division there as well. So, um, anyway, that's that's that was the core of this uh, of this riddle was. How are they going to represent these divided loyalties mm-hmm. and this more, you know, this more complicated, mm-hmm. both like, uh, you know, allegiance and emotional situation at the siege of Erebor? And I think it's this is why I'm comfortable with D, with D as an answer because the answer is clearly they did not um, they did not choose to have a united front. Like, the elves that are there are a divided front, but that's only because Legolas and Toriel are so undivided with Thranduil by that point that they've gone off entirely on their own and aren't even present. Um, mm-hmm. So that's why my own inclination is not to say A, but to say D, because yeah, the reason I, it's I technically... Yeah. It, the, the reason they're, they're technically not defying him at the siege is that their 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 division from him, him. <laughs> is so profound that... that yeah. It's it's not even it's not even a question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can I can get behind that personally because, um, like you say, I mean the defiance starts in Desolation of Smaug. Yes. Prior to there ever being a siege, and yeah. continues on. You know, so and it's pretty. If you think about it, with regard to what we've been presented prior to this, that's pretty major. I mean, the defiance even in Desolation of Smaug, when Tariel goes into Lake Town and Legos follows her, um, you know, that's a pretty major act on their part and then they just continue on so right. the truth is they've been kind of openly defying him since the dwarves escaped you know the dungeons pretty much right right and um um and and see you know like uh, there are a couple of proponents of see a couple of people have been saying that toriel doesn't actually defy him about the siege uh, i think that's a pure technicality i again her departure um, which led to her exile. Yeah, that was that was a cl- that was a clear. I mean, I mean, I, I guess like once again, le- if you want to interpret it legalistically, she left before it was ever said that she wasn't allowed to leave. <laughs> right. But 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 I'm pretty sure that if if somebody if if somebody had stopped her and said, um, "Do you think the king would want you to do this?" I bet I'm pretty sure the answer. I'm pretty sure she would have known that the answer should be no. She wouldn't have been like, uh, no, no, I think this is what he wants me to do. So, right. And, so, and, and again, the, the crux of the riddle is when push comes to shove, is Thranduil, is, is Toriel going to hold the party line with Thranduil or is she going to be on the side of Kiwi and the dwarves? That's right. why she left. That led to her exile because yeah. w- long before Push actually came to shove, she had already chosen um, and made it clear that she was not going to submit to Thranduil's party line um, and instead going to, to do, in, in her case, more proactively um, even um, uh, what she thinks. Now, all this said, and, and then, of course, later on, she actually draws a weapon on him. You know, I mean, that's... that's uh, the. When she finally gets an opportunity to encounter him again, she mm-hmm. is extremely defiant. Um, and again, on the grounds of, on, on exactly the grounds that the that the, the the purpose of the riddle was to talk about about this more complicated uh, situation of allegiances and and uh, um, mm-hmm. you know sort of emotional alignments. 
in this situation. Annie Britton says, there's nothing that says open defiance more than a bow in the face. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I am pointing a deadly weapon at your face is pretty much like the bottom line of, of defiance. And it was because he was, you know, walking out on the dwarves and men. You know mm-hmm. that that he you know that's why she did that. Um, so again, like, is if the if the question is, is she going to side with you know when push comes to shove and 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 it's you know her people you know the elves versus the others, is she going to close ranks and side with the elves or is she going to step out um, and defy Thranduil and side with others? You know, drawing her weapon on him when he threatens to leave them is. Um, is is a, is a, is a pretty clear answer to that question, I think. Um, uh, so, so yeah, I'm 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 uh, I'm pretty comfortable with that. Um, yeah, I think I think I'm I think I'm leaning towards that as well. Just for the yeah. record. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, so let's uh, let's let's launch the poll. Let's see what let's see what people think. Poll open. Can you see uh, it? Is it seeable? Yes, yeah, it's it seeable. seeable. We got it. Um. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. All right, we have a few holdouts. Uh. Few holdouts. We haven't won everybody over. That's right. No, not everybody. Haven't won everybody over. Every every, but we have an answer. We have somebody answering for every one of them. Which was which is pretty cool, actually. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, because again, if you want to be legalistic, what yes. about a legalistic you know, reading of fifth option? The riddle should have been written differently. Well, yeah, right. Easy Monday morning quarterbacking, Neil. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, I get you know. I get if you want to talk about legalism, what about a legalistic reading of the answers? Could you make an argument from the film that either one of them supported Thranduil, which is what the answers say? Um, in what way did Legolas support his father? In what way did Toriel support Thranduil? Um, that okay. That that is that is an excellent point. That is an excellent point. That perhaps that that I think I don't think you can make an argument for either of those answers. At best, I think you could say, "Oh well, there's no. It's not answered on screen." Right. 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 Yeah. You know, I think somebody said, you know, the the problem word is openly. I, we when we constructed this riddle, we, Corey and I had a long conversation about using the word openly because we came up with scenarios of where you know it could be very ambiguous that they were defying in terms of behind the scenes or something like right. that and we we consciously put the word openly in there uh, i personally think that i don't think anything says more openly given what we know of how thranduil sort of is very isolationist and how he's brought up legolas and so a lot of the stuff we get into isolation of smog having Tauriel not come back and have Legolas not come to heal and, and choose to follow her instead of Thranduil is pretty darn open in my book, but I think I think that is that that is open to interpretation. You know, yeah. that word is open yeah. to no, well, exactly. But yes, the the purpose of that was to say not clandestine. You know, I mean, if right. if if Legolas were standing there appearing to support his father but actually working against him behind the scenes, 
Right. Or making making faces behind his back. <laughs> right. 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 Exactly. Um, that would Rolling be, his eyes. That would be non-open. Right. Um, right. But yeah, like him saying publicly, "I consider myself exiled as long as Torio is exiled." That's open. I mean, that's that's as open as it gets. And Toriel drawing a weapon on her king is as open as defiance can possibly be. Um, yeah. But see, yeah. I mean, you know, even Tim- Timothy Fisher says, "Until the bow in the face, it's ambiguous." I don't think it is ambiguous because she consciously ambiguous. decides not to go back to, you know, to the closed fort. Well, um, and, and, and in I desolation think- of Smaug. Right, exactly. And I, I think, Dave, I think he does pass that before she leaves. Like, he exiles her because she's broken his commandment. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, right. So I think, I think she has already openly broken his commandment by leaving. Um, mm-hmm. And that's why his response to that is, um, oh, yeah, Toriel, right after you left, I said nobody was supposed to leave. Please come back. His response is you are exiled because of your actions. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So... So yeah, I, and then I you know I had thought I had assumed that Legolas would go back to Thranduil. Remember how I was always arguing for that Legolas will see the orc army and he'll warn his right. father. Right. I, that was always predicated on an assumption on my part that Legolas would always go back. And he never does. Right. He never does go back to his nope. father. I mean, to nope. the you know to join the elven army. Never goes back. He stays to with her. Markwood. Uh, no, he never goes back tell, to Markwood. Yeah. Like ever, until after the Lord of the Rings, apparently. Um. Now, eighty-five percent have voted. Do we consider that? Uh, I think that's probably. Oh, I think it's. I think our, I think our quorum is pretty clear. Um, okay. As is not surprising, A came in second, but uh, <clears throat> but it was a. I think I think I think we have a I think we have a plain consensus among both hosts and 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 listeners alike for D. So we shall declare D the official correct answer, of. Question number That's of right. little number two. Okay, cool. Exciting. All right. On to the next one. I missed that was probably the easiest of all of our open rules. Right. right. <laughs> okay. Now again here the origin of this riddle was in thinking about uh, leading into the third film. The differences, particularly in the characterization of Thranduil in the second film, the differences from the book. Mm-hmm. Um, in the book, of course, Bard is the one who's in charge of the army. He's not, you know, the Elven King is his ally, but he's the. You can tell because he's the spokesman. The Elven King doesn't speak. Um, uh, when they're parleying, it's Bard who speaks. Um, it's Bard who makes his claim. It's you know, so he he is the one who is. You know, the Elven King is there officially in a supporting role, um, uh, even if Bard, you know, perhaps Bard, you know, the book leaves it open to that perhaps Bard, you know, submits to him or or defers to him in some way. But it's Bard's show. You know, the army in the valley is pretty much Bard's show, and he's the spokesperson and the central figure. But after the second film, with the depiction of Thranduil, it was a little hard for us to imagine that that's exactly how they were going to do it in the film because Thranduil was so much stronger of a character and so mm-hmm. much more of a jerk than he was in the, in the book. So that was the origin of this riddle. Um, I don't know why we didn't come up with... I didn't know why I didn't include a none of the above on this one. Um, but we're stuck with what we got. Yes, we're stuck with what we got. Um, 
our doom in life. Exactly. <laughs> well, um, see, if C said as a dominant force of the combined army, I could argue for C. But he was not the dominant force. Right. Of the well, that would be army. really namby pamby then, if it were just like a dominant force among many dominant forces in the combined well, army. I mean, he shared it with Bard, kind of, right? Right. Being a dominant force of the um, combined army. Because an act of ally on equal terms, I don't get that. I don't think he considered himself either right. an ally or equal. But C, C means he's in charge. Like basically, the 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 theory, you know, right. the, the options we were trying to cover in these uh, four answers, where mm -hmm. again A is the book answer, of course, that Bard is really in charge, but he is the benevolent, passive, wise supporter. Um, B means that there's they're they're actually equal. So I mean, notice there's a there's a there's a trajectory, right? It goes from um, him being less in the spotlight, least in the spotlight in A, to most in the spotlight in B, mm -hmm. uh, or in C, rather. In C. And then D is just like the other answer, which there like, is no makes spotlight. the whole question irrelevant. Yeah, exactly. There is no, there is no spotlight. There is no question of a combined army. So we had to include that to, uh, to, 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 you know, to cover that possibility. But the the A through C is a spectrum of how how centrally he is a leader. Mm -hmm. um, and so C has him basically as the general of the the clear general of the army. Um, a, Bard is the clear general and he is the supporter, and B is they're really equal. Now I can see C, if you think of it in terms of, for example, the scene I'm thinking of is when Bard's good, is it Bard? It's Bard, right? Or Thorin. Oh shoot, now I can't remember. It, when he, which one of them? I think it, it must be Thorin, who goes to to battle with the, you know, out on the plane in front of Erebor, and somebody says to Thranduil, send your men in, and he's like, I don't want to send my men in, and then we see them, you know, yes. like all of a sudden the elves jump over all of the dwarves. Oh, it's mm. the dwarves. Okay, it's yes. the dwarves. Right. My, right. Um, so, you know, that's a C answer there, so we know, just in that one scene. We know it's clearly not A, and it's clearly not D, Right. 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 The two, I mean, for the, 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 the armies of men and elves are in fact combined yeah. before the gates and in the battle. Yes. And, this and, is where our drive for precise terms like is our undoing. Yeah. Kind of. um, <laughs> so, so the question is, the question is, is how dominant does he need to be for us to declare them not on equal terms? Yeah, because I think clearly... Clearly, the truth lies somewhere between B and C. Th Thranduil is right. like, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, he is he has he has the power to compel uh, the men to do things. You know, he shows up and he says, "I'm marching on the mountain." I think the the if there is a justification for B, it is the fact that Thranduil said, "Yeah, we're uh, we're going to besiege him. These guys are going to pay," uh, and and Bard says. Well, come on. Let me go talk to him because you know I don't know. It's just like yeah. it's, I think you're getting a little ahead of yourself. And he acquiesces and says, "Okay, fair enough. You go talk to him. Let's see if you can resolve this. If you can't, I will besiege them." Um, and we don't find out what would have happened had Bard say, "No, I will not be a part of any siege." Would would um would Thranduil have would Thranduil have um. Uh, uh, imprisoned bard will seize him and then take in charge of the lake town men 
Or would he have said, all right, well, do whatever you guys want to. I'm carrying on. Because um, right. I don't think there was – I don't well, think there's ever an implication that he has conscript, conscripted the Lake Town men. Bart is in charge no. of the men. He is. Thranduil right. is certainly – to the extent that they have they have a tacit agreement, we're going to work together, and and then they're, they're deciding on strategy and things like that. He's clearly – clearly a dominant force there you know he's moving pieces around but he's not conscripting the men he's not forcing the men to do his bidding when bard says no, no bard i don't want to besiege them demand yeah to him either i bard is not saying you take over i think if the if the emphasis is on combined army is he calling the shots is he giving orders to the men telling the men what to do etc i think the answer to that is no bard is in charge right. of the men bard is but they're I... not allies on equal terms. Um, well, here's true. the thing. I mean, that, that's... I'm yeah. wondering if we think of B and we say equal terms, even though Thranduil might not agree on the word equal. <laughs> um, yes, but I think... One I mean, of the reasonings, if he was the dominant force of the combined army, my logic is he would have been the one going up to the mountain to talk to... to, to well, no, he wasn't because he had no interest in doing that. He yes. just wanted to attack. Ah. Um, so it's not that he was like not his role. It's just that he had no interest in doing that, and Bard had to talk him into it. Um, I think it's. I mean, if we define C, as you say, Dave, I agree with you that if we define C as he is the commander, the clear and undisputed commander in chief of the entire army, that's not true, because Bard is clearly in charge of the men. He never gives an order to the men. But it's equally right. clear that he believes the men to be more or less irrelevant to the battle. Um, yes, and you know, so he doesn't—he doesn't, he doesn't give an ally because he doesn't care. Because he's there for his own purposes. Yes, right, exactly. That, that's yeah. what I—that's my my point is he really doesn't care what the men do. He's willing no, to give Bard like one opportunity to go talk to to Thorin, but you know, just because it's like, eh, why not? And nothing's going to come of it. I don't really care. So, right. so, so the question. So it really comes down to. You know, the fact that he is in charge of his own army, and his army is a billion times bigger than the, the, the men, um, and he's going to do whatever he wants to, and he doesn't care what the men do, um, does that, in fact, make him the dominant force of the combined army, or does that just make, make him a really, really strong power who's in the region, who's going to do whatever he wants to, and the men can do what they want? You know, like, do, in order to be the dominant force of the quote-unquote combined army, do the armies right. really need to be integrated, or because I consider right. them not? Or is integrated. it just simply that he'll trump? So you're saying that he could just trump yeah. the men, and but he, but he, but I think, but but he's not issuing orders to the men, and he's not even including no. them, and he's just going to send his elves to do whatever. But that's not necessarily what the meaning of C is. I don't necessarily. I mean, we could we could interpret C as not right. that. I mean, you don't have to. Being a dominant force doesn't mean he's combined. He's commanding them. Well, yes. we talked I mean, about... I think you're actually arguing for C, aren't you, Dave? Right. I mean, in, uh, in I'm of... just thinking out loud. I, I sort of yeah. I sort of feel like I sort of feel like I'm really splitting hairs there, and that probably the right thing to do is to just say, look, he's obviously in charge. Right. I mean, do, the I, the choice of the word we 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 said dominant force for a reason. Mm -hmm. um, we didn't. We say said dominant man. force instead of instead of general for mm -hmm. that reason. Um, is that because basically even if he's not officially in charge, we wanted that to be able to cover even if he's not officially in charge, he's pretty much in charge. Um, yeah. A force to be no reckoned with, in other words. Yeah. Yeah. And, but you know the thing is, the thing that trips me up. 
um, so I, 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 I couldn't see voting for B. I mean, I can understand the argument for B because you can say they're on equal terms in the sense that both of them are the clear and undisputed leaders of their own armies. So you mm-hmm. know, you've got the army of men and the army of elves, and they're both in charge of them. Um, like, yes, the elven army is obviously much bigger and more powerful, so that makes them unequal. But nevertheless, with respect to their own forces, they are they are in the same position, so they're equal. I, I can understand that argument, but I can't see really going with B because they're not on equal terms. I mean, there's no question of an equality between them. There, there's no question that mm-hmm. there's there, there's no symmetry between the two of them and their relationship with each other. Bard and, well, and, and, and I'll go. Way. I'll even go further than that, which is my issue with B is the term active ally. He's right. no way is he an active ally. That's true too. <laughs> Even if they were equal, he's not an active ally. Yeah. No, it's so like, I, yeah. Will he even agree to take into consideration anything that they want? That's not being an ally, right? right. That's um, not. <laughs> I mean, like it's 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 still like Bard has to talk fast to get Thranduil to agree to wait long enough to give him a chance to go up and talk to Thor. Right. 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 Um, and he's really not even that excited about that. He's just like, well, why not? I guess like it can't do harm, uh, yeah. so you might as well. Yeah, but but even even that scene, it's that scene more than any other that leads me to go against B, because the way that Bard and Thranduil interact with each other is not on equal terms mm-hmm. in that scene. You know, he's a petitioner in that scene. Um, please let me go and ask them. Um, he's a petitioner in the right. He has the moral high ground, but yes. he's not on equal terms, like as far as authority goes in the army. Yes. Um, now, some people are arguing for D, because technically the two armies do arrive at Erebor independently, and I'm trying to think back, Corey. Did we assume that there was going to be, a, that the men and elves were going to arrive together? I don't know that we did assume that. <laughs> it, that's, uh, that's how it happens in the book, but you know... I guess you could argue, you could argue that the Lake Town men fleeing the the sack of their town yeah. arrive in the ruins of Dale, and then the elves yeah. show up overnight. and And if you consider Dale having arrived at the at this at Erebor, then yes, yeah. technically they have arrived independently. Right. So technically, <laughs> they don't because they are. Some people were asking, are they definitely? Do the men make it to Erebor? They seem to be fighting in Dale. Yes, but they retreat to Dale right away. Um, mm-hmm. They're there. If you remember yeah. the visual scene with the army in the valley, you've got like the really precise rows of elves, and then you've got this like jumbled lot of men standing in the middle. And it's very visually apparent that the men are there because they're so much less crisp and and more poorly dressed uh, than the elves. Um, <laughs> so they're definitely there. Um, but uh, but I I. I'm kind of coming around. I'm basically debating between C and D, mm-hmm. um, because I think like the spirit of the thing is definitely C, in the sense that, mm-hmm. um, I, I mean, I, I think that he is clearly the dominant force. Um, you know, there's no question that, um, you know, it, that uh, that that phrase "dominant force" clearly seems to apply to Thranduil to me in that. But the thing is, the armies do act much more independently than I had anticipated that they would. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I mean, they do technically so Kristen says, Kristen yeah. says two separate armies not quite hostile to each other occupying the same space. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, and then they're not hostile. I mean, and then they're kind of the opposite of hostile, right? Because the elves do bring food uh, right. and share it with the men. So there's there's a there's a kind of friendship and certainly a kind of a gratitude there. Um, but um, but there's but but yeah, but there's definitely te- certainly tension between Thranduil and Bard, um, even if not so much tension between the men and the elves in general. Mm-hmm. Um, but they do, I mean, they do technically arrive independently, as you say, and they act independently, even to the point where the fights, the, you know, the, the, the battle scenes, like, they're on, they're, you know, most of the time, they're in different theaters of the, of the, of the battle. When Thranduil makes his final moose charge across the bridge, um, he re-enters Dale, and they're in the same place. But even there, they never fight. It's not like Thranduil and, and, and Bard ever fight shoulder to shoulder. Um, so I do think it's fair to say that if things had gotten any further down the line, and if Bard had continued to resist, Thranduil would have just overrode him and gone, because he had much more, you know, the disciplined army, all that stuff. But it never gets to that point. Um, so we don't... You know, yeah, I think he's probably the implied dominant force, you know, if things get to that pass, but it never gets to that pass. Mm-hmm. So I agree. I mean, it's I'm actually tending more toward D now. I mean, fortunately, the group is going to be answering this poll, but I think I could see D as being. Yeah, I mean, I could really go either way. I, I tend to want to say that the um, – this the true spirit of the riddle seems to me C. Um, because when we said D, the two armies arrive independently. Um, it meant that he had no... It meant that there was uh, really no influence. combined army at all. But there, well, there yeah. was. I mean, that you know, Bard and Thranduil are standing shoulder to shoulder confronting Thorin. Their armies are massed together. Um, you know, that D was really to allow the possibility that there would be no connection between them at all and that they would... Literally uh, riding separately. Yeah, yeah like, like that they would be <laughs> two completely separate players in the battle, even though, like the battle of three armies at the beginning. Um, right. And that doesn't exactly happen. So, um, and, and really the thing that we didn't anticipate that led to what appears to be independent arrivals at Erebor is simply the fact that the refugees would set off and seek refuge in the ruins of Dale. That, mm-hmm. that, that we didn't anticipate. Um, so that even the relief, you know, the, the, the relief column sent by the elves to provide supplies to the refugees would happen in Dale. That's something that we didn't guess because we didn't guess that they would seek refuge in Dale. Um, so, so that's why I'm, I'm increasingly inclined against D because it doesn't seem to fit sort of the spirit of the law. Um, Okay, I think my official answer is C, but I can, I can, uh, I can, I can see. All right, let's let's open the poll, see what people say, and I will be, I will be content. To uh, by the way, while people are voting, I, I I didn't mention this before we went on air, but I do have a hard stop at noon. Okay, um, I think we that's have fine. one more riddle in yeah, today. Yeah, let's do one more. Oh, interesting. This is very interesting. B is yes. getting actually more. I like the. I like I the uh, I like the abdication of responsibility by throwing this up. Yes, yes. Well, it's good because it means that first of all, we don't have to uh, like 
fight ourselves with, with each other yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, or like put it up to a vote among the three of us which we could theoretically that's do right we could end up with a huge know. feud i mean we may end up not speaking to each other exactly exactly yeah what a great way for riddles in the dark to to, to wrap up <laughs> exactly yeah 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 blood feuds <laughs> beginning um talk about the siege of the battle of the three armies right that's sure. right Right. Who's a dominant force in Riddles in the Dark? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, okay, a little spoiler. Nobody has voted A. Nobody yeah. thinks well, he's you know, wise, that but wise and benevolent passive. bit that just yeah. Well, and passive. I mean, just, <laughs> yeah. who could possibly you know, argue that it was passive? Like, yeah. Yeah. The antonym for Thranduil. Exactly. interesting you know d's actually not getting all that many votes i mean yeah, i expected more votes for d too d is not I definitely did. okay last chance people uh, yeah we're only at 76 percent voted maybe some people just left <laughs> yeah some people afk here yeah yeah still deliberating okay, well, I, we're coming I, up on two minutes i'm saying when we have it open for two minutes then i'll okay right. people are coming in now at 82 percent okay yeah, that's probably good Okay, so two two minutes, all right. Okay. And C wins. Though B made a good showing. Yeah, B made a really good showing. But in the end, the will of the people is clear. I think again we have achieved a reasonable consensus. <laughs> C is the answer. Yeah, I I mean I could see it. It's really B instead of D, folks. Interesting. Yeah, that 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 I do find interesting. I would go with D ahead of B every day. Yeah, fourteen percent on D and oh, apparently on B. That's very interesting. Oh, the B answers are one hundred percent due to Yana's arguments yeah. in the chat. Apparently, apparently <laughs> we missed out on a whole like. Apparently, there's another dominant force in Riddles in the Dark. We're, we're not even witnessing. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> there's subterfuge going on. That's right. Okay, moving on to number nine. Number nine. Number nine. Oh my gosh. Okay. I said I had a hard stop at noon. I mean, this is. We should probably just jump over this one and do it next time. <laughs> no problem. No problem. Okay. So, well, the answer is obviously D, right? He's killed by Saruman. I mean, this is open and shut. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay, so the only, obviously, since he didn't die on screen, we can, nobody can actually make an argument for B, C, or D. Um, B, C, or D. So it's either A or E. It's either A or E. Those are the only real options. Because, again, this is, remember, the, the overarching framework of the riddles is, you know, happens in the theatrical edition. So... Um, we see we saw no body uh, anywhere, so B, C, and D are right out. Okay. The only question is. So I I want to bring in another listener who is not represented today, but who who put an answer up, who put his his opinion up on the Facebook page. Okay. 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 So I'm going to try and read this journalistically. No tonal inflection in my voice. All right. Uh -huh. This is from okay. Matt Duke. His name is Matt Duke. Here's why I think the answer to the Radagast riddle should be A. The main point of answer A is that Radagast needs to, quote-unquote, fall out of the story, and Corey and Dave are arguing that by showing up at the battle, he has not fallen out of the story. 
but does, quote-unquote, the story in question not include The Lord of the Rings? I thought it was clear that the whole point in making this a riddle was that we wanted an internal, an internal to the movie justification for Radagast's character not showing up in The Lord of the Ring movies, Lord of the Rings movies which is why three of the four specific answers dealt with Radagast, no doubt, grisly death. <laughs> right. I think for E to be the answer, Radagast would have had to live, but somehow explain why he would be getting out of the action. As it is, he simply dropped out of the story after bringing in the Eagles, the story being The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. Well, okay, but hang on now. You can't say that like he comes in and brings in the eagle and then vanishes, and so therefore he disappears from the story, because by that argument, every single character eventually disappears from the story. Like, there is a final moment when they all appear in the films, and after that, they have disappeared from the story. Um, you know, like Galadriel disappeared from the story, and Elrond disappeared from the story, and, and uh, you know, like, uh, all the, uh, uh, Dan disappeared from the story, you know. So... Like, I wouldn't push that one too far. I mean, I, I, I agree that we need to think back, as we've done with the other ones, to, like, what is the point of the riddle? You know, what were we getting at? What is the issue? What is the underlying issue that we were interested, you know, that we were discussing during that episode and were interested to see uh, in the film? And he's right that the, the primary question was, what's going to happen to Radagast? Um and, uh, well, and I do I think also... he has a point because I think, I think the right. underlying thing here is that we made this up because we know we're not going to see him in Lord of the Rings, right? Unlike right. Galadriel and some of the other people. Right. I mean, we know we're not going to. So it's like a much has been made of Radagast in The Hobbit. I think that's the other thing. You know, he sort of had what we thought was a sort of significant role for sure yeah. in movie one. Um, so that was kind of where we were coming from. And, and again, Matt's right, is why we had three of the five answers be he, he gets killed, because that was our easiest explanation as to why he doesn't show up in Lord of the Rings. And I suppose, you know, the he lives and disappears from the story probably should be he just lives and disappears from the Lord of the Rings movies. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, but that's, yeah you're, you're right. The question is, when we say the story in A, what do we mean? And it's right. it's pretty clear that what we meant by that is not he vanishes from the Hobbit films. Um, exactly. And I think the reason it's the book answer is because he does the same in Lord of the Rings, right? He, we have a, ba a flashback, right? He doesn't show up in the book, but Gandalf talks about meeting him on the road. Right. Um, and then he disappears from the story. <laughs> Even in Tolkien's book. Right, right. Um, Dave, you've been very quiet. You were also, weren't you also voting for E during our discussion yeah, last time? Yeah, this is tough. <laughs> it's tough. I, I don't think... I'm trying to remember... What, what, I, I'm trying to decide what I... If, if, if I don't think this counts as A... What does A look like? He's just not in the movie at all. Is it, was A intended to mean that he no, never showed up? No, no, no. Mm -mm. no. Basically, A means he doesn't get killed <laughs> and disappears from the story. And... So, oh, I I see. So 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 A is A is not B, C, or D because he lives. Right, right. 
So why? I'm, so I apparently I was arguing for E last time, but I don't remember why. I'm trying to decide why is it not A? He's in the movie, he lives, and he never shows up again. I think the reason uh, I, I I too am trying to recover my uh, my arguments from last time. And a couple of weeks I remember I was completely taken off guard time. by both of you saying <laughs> Yes, I remember, like, I remember that too. I remember that too. Were we just being wildly and arbitrarily obstructionist uh, in this? And Probably. I, I, well, I think, okay, the, I, the main thing that I think is that I feel like if ever, if ever any character's fate felt like a none of the above, it was Radagast's in film three, <laughs> you know, because they're like the, 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 the sort of spirit of the none of the above option whenever we gave it was, or if there's something so strange that happens that we don't even, we can't even anticipate it. We're just going to create this, uh, you know, this other category in case they do something really unanticipated. Mm-hmm. And well, yeah, I mean, one of the ones, you know, one of the things we talked about is that we actually see on screen that he heads for the Grey Havens and takes off. You know what I mean? It's like there's some, there's right. some, like, tying of the loose end of Sarah. But to, of to me, the reason, okay, the reason I find A unsatisfying, even though I, got, I have a hard time arguing against it in a technical sense, like, it is, like, it, it like, that it seems to be a description of what happened. The reason that doesn't feel right to me is that, yes, we said that A is if he lives and, you know, like, you know, B, C, and D are if he dies and A is if he lives. But what we never anticipated was, and basically the problem is, is, is A is too literally true. Like, he doesn't only disappear from The Lord of the Rings, he disappears from the Hobbit films as well, which is not what was anticipated in A. You know, in A, it was like, okay, he's a character, he's, you know, either he remains a character as he's been throughout this story, and plays some kind of, you know, obvious role um, in, the sto- in the story moving forward, um, or else he's going to die. Yeah, and, and if that happens, basically, if we roll credits on the end of the third Hobbit film, and he's still an active character and taking part the same way right. he's been all the way through, and then we roll credits, that's A, right? You know, he's, he's a part of the story, but he's going to vanish, and it's not going to be explained how he's going to vanish before the Lord of the Rings. Um, the reason it doesn't that doesn't feel satisfying is because of the bizarre... It, it, it's like, it's almost as if... Jackson was trying to do a middle road between him living and him dying. Like, let's have him technically still be alive and yet vanish almost as profoundly as if he had died, even to the point of giving his staff away to Gandalf. So, like, he's in... Inexplicably in the theatrical. Exactly. He's, like, inexplicably in semi-retirement or something, but still riding eagles randomly. Um, You know, so... I think think we had not anticipated such a such a sidelining of Radagast in the third movie. You know, we, yes. were, we were keying off of, you know, what we'd seen of him so far, and it never, I don't think it ever occurred to any of us he would be so minimalized right. or minimized either, either in he's gonna, the third movie. Either he's going to, to remain a character or he's going to die, you know, but this, like, right. we're just going to all of a sudden pretend he doesn't exist and yet keep him in? I mean, that was the thing, like, had he not, had he just vanished, had the last we ever saw of Radagast was him looking um, like, you know, like a confused and ill-kempt chauffeur for Gandalf out of right. Del Gugler. Um, if that's the last we ever saw of him, I would find it less 
befuddling than getting that one glimpse of him on the eagle. It's like, oh, so wait, he is involved or, or is he not involved? He was doing something, I guess, or something. And he never, felt, he never jumped off like Bayorn did, did he? No. I mean, we never saw him do anything other than that he was riding an eagle. No, exactly. I mean, like, his, his appearance at the end was so token that it, it, it just, like, as far as, it's like, it, it was to me like the opposite of resolution for his character. Um, <laughs> I'm know. with Yana. Yana says, just so you know, everyone in the participant chat is saying A and is wondering why we are even arguing this. I'm with you guys in the chat room. <laughs> but as you know, Corey is the dominant force of Riddles in the Dark. So. <laughs> well, no, it's just because it's... it's Chief it's, hair splitter. Yeah, it is. <laughs> hey, that's what I do, man. That's a new... That's true. Chief close reader. That's right, a.k.a. hair splitter. Um, well, I do agree with you. I think that scene on his, with him on the eagle is just ridiculous. The only reason I can think of that to justify in Jackson's, you know, that I can figure out why Jackson would, would does, doesn't Gandalf say to him when he gets off the taxi in, at, at Roscoe Bell, get the eagles? Does he not say that to Radagast, or am I, I imagining that? Because I think the implication is that Radagast was implemental in, implemental <laughs> in Getting the eagles to the battle. Yeah. Instrumental. Why? Because Gandalf couldn't find a moth? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> he was too busy. He was, right. he was riding maybe, a horse. Maybe because of the, the increased spider infestation has gotten to the point where there are no surviving moths. moths. <laughs> so he has to send Radagast. Or Jackson Canada. felt like he couldn't do the moth scene. He, could, you know, he couldn't bring himself to do yet another moth scene. <laughs> uh, maybe he felt that he got, too he got himself to do the, one. Uh, He got himself to do the second one. I, I wouldn't see why he would he would get cherry about the third, <laughs> but whatever. Um, uh, I say we launch the riddle. Yeah. No. I mean, I I think the answer, I guess, is pretty clear. What I want to, and, and I guess, really, at the end of the day, what I'm protesting against is not like the question of whether or not he survives, obviously. It's that the, you know, what probably, what I think probably has to be viewed as, as, as a, is so unsatisfying and unanticipatedly bizarre yeah. that it doesn't feel right. I agree. Because the the the, the thing, I, I, okay, it's because the thing I was associating, like, you know, when we do these riddles, you know, I have this, like, in my head, here's what A looks like, you know, here's what B will look like, here's what, and what actually happened was so unlike anything, any of the options A through D that we were picturing, that my impulse is to be like, well, that's E. <laughs> that's none of the above. Because what happened was none of the things that, that we were <laughs> you anticipate. That was a part of your assumptions for the answers. We got a smart aleck amongst us. Somebody voted for B. Yeah. In spirit, he was killed at Dol Guldur. That's where, that's where the spirit of Radagast died. Uh, <laughs> you know, hey, actually, that's my new favorite answer. Yeah, yeah. He, he was, uh, although, his, although he theoretically, he technically survived Dol Guldur, really... That's where that's where like the the true Radagast uh, really perished. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good. Thank you, somebody for voting D. I appreciate that. Um, yeah. Can't prove actually. That if you're gonna vote for anything, if you're gonna vote for one of the ones where he's killed, given that we see him on an eagle, it would be C. 
you know, oh, absolutely. I'm assuming that he's been killed. No, 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 it would be D, because after the Battle of Five Armies, Saruman offs him, oh. clearly, you know, yep. like, oh, yeah, okay. that's, yeah. Yeah, you want to yeah, know why he disappears off screen? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Why does... You're being scolded uh, by Sharon. I want you to understand that you're being scolded by Sharon. In I'm being scolded? Question. You're being oh, well. scolded. Pourquoi? Why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she wants me to get over the fact that this is not about the answer being satisfying. It's just about whether it's correct. <laughs> I know, I know, Sharon. That's what I'm. This is really about me coming to grips with that fact. You know that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, it's just I'm trying to think of other examples. I can't think off the top of my head of another example of a riddle where what actually happened on the screen sort of technically fits one of the answers but is so far different from what we pictured that answer meaning you know um, so far removed from the you know what we uh, what we uh, you know the picture that we had in mind when we when we made that option right that's why I keep that. That's I think it's 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 that particular cognitive dissonance that makes my acceptance of A <laughs> so hard uh, in that uh, in that regard. But anyway, okay. So actually, this is probably a good place to stop the riddles because we've done three today. We have three more riddles to go, and and actually the conundrum that we have left, um, which I will show you guys in fact right now. Uh, I don't think we should talk about it because you'd, you'd think, oh, a conundrum. Yes, no, it'd be easy, but it's not that easy. Oh, no. It is this number seven one right here. This Ooh, is going to be a yes. toughie. That is going to be. There's a lot of discussion that needs to happen. So, oh, God. Yeah. So just, if you want me, I can review what we have left. So we have nine, which is oh, – oh, we just that did one. that. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Eleven. Eleven, which is how does the battle between the Goms and three allied peoples begin, uh -huh. uh, which is very wordy. Uh, we have, uh, and so if people want to review these, you know, on the page, oh, that's not right. Oh, 14, sorry. 14. What is the attitude about the future of the airborne region? This is going to be another long yep. one, I can tell you. Yep. I mean, I think. And 15, which is, um, what does Bilbo's relationship with the ring look like at the end of movie three? Yeah. Yep. So that's what we have left to go over. So okay. we have four topics, which are going to be heavy duty. I mean, we're going to have a lot to say, I'm sure, about all four of those topics. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. okay. All right, all right, good, good. Okay, so <laughs> our next episode will be our final episode. We will answer the last of the questions. And we're thinking two weeks. Is that, uh, or I know I need to confirm with with uh, Dave and Corey, but um, two weeks is uh, the twenty seventh. Yeah. The day before the movie marathon. Woohoo! Yes, perhaps. I might have to go the week after. I'll have to consult with, uh, that's my uh, that's my children's vacation, and I can't remember ah. if I'm traveling okay. that day. I might be. Okay, so we'll we'll confirm one way or yeah. the other. Yeah, we'll confirm. But it, this, it, time, the last be, episode, this time you really mean it. Yeah, I know. I mean, I, got, I guess I jumped the gun when I said it was going to be the last episode today. Right. I wasn't thinking. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, yes, yeah, so it, it'll either be the twenty seventh or it'll be, you know, the what the sixth right after the yeah. one right after. Yeah, we might do the one right after because then you can tell us how the movie marathon went. That's true. 
be fun. That should be good stories coming out of that. For which that is a good segue. Announcements. Our first announcement <laughs> is uh, we. I, I am doing. I am hosting anyone in the Boston area. Anyone else welcome to come too. But especially people in the Boston area. I am hosting a Lord of the Rings movie marathon in Arlington, Massachusetts, on uh, Saturday, February twenty eighth. Um, it's going to be really cool. We're having uh, you. You'll get your get uh, movies all day. Watching the extended extended editions of the Lord of the Rings films. We will have uh, discussion and chat. We will have Hobbit themed food catered all day. Um, it's uh, it's it's going to be awesome. The ticket price now, covers are, are food you, for the whole day as well allow, as movies. Do you allow Rocky Horror Picture Show type? Interaction. Oh yes, yes. We're okay. we're totally fine with uh, um, lots of fan interaction with the films. Um, these films have certainly been out long enough, long enough for uh, everybody to. Uh, I can't hardly uh, wait until we do the Hobbit films. There's going to be a lot of oh, yeah. audience interaction. With the films. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's gonna be that's gonna be a tougher sell. But anyway, no, no, the the Lord of the Rings movie marathon will be will be a lot of fun. So uh, I am really looking forward to this. Um, we've got uh, you know a bunch of people from the area uh, who are uh, who are going to be coming in for this. I'm 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 excited about this opportunity. So the details about it are up on the MythGuard site under right. the activities tab. That's I right. think it's the second tab, the second listing. It's movie marathon, LOTR movie marathon. So there's yeah. uh, more information about the theater, a little bit more information about the event, and then how to register. So that's where you can send people or go yourself. And if anybody is in the Austin area and wants uh, wants to help post flyers around, we actually do have a flyer we can send you that that's you can right. yes. you know, if you're print in, out and if you're somewhere, so just somewhere around Boston. Yeah. Yeah. yeah just get in touch with me at Lambert at MythGuard.org, and uh, I can send you that. Yeah. Cool. Cool. That's going to be that's going to be great fun. So again, that is Saturday, February twenty eighth, uh, on which day it will hopefully not be snowing, which means it will be like the minority of days in February here this year. <laughs> um, I, along with everyone else, is seriously hoping that the snow will decide it is more or less done by then. Um, we've gotten like four feet of snow in the last three weeks here in the oh Boston area. So it's, uh, I, I can barely see out the window. Oh, like right now my window is half covered in snow. Um, hmm. Anyway, um, good times. Good times in New England this year. Um, my other announcement is we have just begun last night. We began uh, the newest Mythgard Academy class. We are studying the Book of Lost Tales, Volume 2. Um, so we did the first half of the original version of the tale of uh, Baron and Luthien, that is the tale of Tenuviel. She was not yet named Luthien um, in the Book of Lost Tales version. Um, last night's class culminating with um, uh, <laughs> the passages which reveal Tolkien's wild biases against cats. Um, it's uh, fantastic. If, if, you, if you've ever wondered why cats are so, uh, so independent and antisocial, um, you will learn why, and it has to do with their being former servants of Melkor. Um, so uh, anyway, it's, uh, it was, it's a really fun class. Um, and they wail at night, making those, those hideous wailing sounds at night uh, because they are lamenting their lost power and how they've been abandoned by the evil one. Um, that's pretty much why. 
uh, and their hearts are full of darkness to this day. Uh, it's it's just it's it's just fantastic. Uh, uh, dog lovers especially enjoy uh, <laughs> the uh, the thing. Um, oh yeah, I, I meant Wednesday night, Neil. I, I lose track of days. Um, it was Wednesday night, indeed. Um, and uh, uh, you know, so we're going to be we're going to be finishing the tale of Tenuviel next time, looking at the the actual taking of the of the Silmaril and the conclusion. Of the uh, the conclusion of the um, uh, of the of the story, you know, there are deaths and resurrections and things, and how that's handled in the original version of the story. Um, so that will be coming up next week. Book of Lost Tales Two is really cool because here you can see what are pretty close to the original version of all of those stories, which are going to be the most important stories to Tolkien throughout his career. Baron and Luthien, the story of Turin, Turambar, the fall of Gondolin, and the story of Eärendil. Um, this is where we see, you know, where all of those things began. Um, so, uh, so I definitely encourage you um, to, uh, uh, to follow along with the Book of Lost Tales class. Um, uh, and that's again. That's uh, that's. But oh, and shows uh, um, asking when the recording will be posted. It should be posted today. Uh, sorry, there was there was a slight delay on the posting of the recording of class one, but that should be up today. Um, so very good. And those are our announcements for this week. So we want to thank you all of us for joining us for our penultimate episode of Riddles in the Dark. Uh, and I will say, uh, thanks for listening, and Godspeed. <laughs>